0: Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians, but sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I believe a concise guide to the essentials of the Christian faith is just that it's concise and it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount, because In the Market with Janet Parshall is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's truth rule, just call 877-Janet-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-Janet-58, or you can go online to In org. Scroll to the bottom of the page, there's the cover of the book. If a gift of any amount, we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month. And they'll also get a newsletter. Only people that do that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of, I believe eight, seven, seven Janet 58 is the route to go eight, seven, seven Janet 58 or online at in the market with Janet I I believe a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your pilgrim's progress. Now, Please enjoy the podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome to In the Market with Janet Partial. It's Heart to Heart Friday, where Craig and I share some of the stories making headlines this week, and then we'll offer our insight and analysis. If you'd like to join in the conversation on what we're talking about, please call 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Now let's take a quick look back at some of the other topics we discussed this week.
1: There are those who will shine more brightly than others, though all of them contribute to the glory of God and to the uh, manifestation of his presence. So I believe the way in which we live as Christians is very, very serious and uh, our rewards are thereby determined. And therefore, we should not take for granted carelessness in the Christian life. Because in the end, this is what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear. He's talking to Christians. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the deeds done in the body, whether good or bad. We just read the headlines and what some reporter in the Washington Post or the Washington Times says. But on the Internet, you can opine yourself. You can create your own followership. You can either cite accurate or inaccurate information. And as a result of that, now we have a challenger to the new media. And that's no longer new. Now social media is now the established media alternative to the print media. But the problem is that the same bias that we had seen in the traditional media has been proven to exist in Silicon Valley companies that basically run the information on the Internet. Here's a guy talking about Jesus right now, having a relationship with him. And then he made a statement that was like a lightning bolt from heaven to my heart. He said, Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. And I looked at the Christians and I thought, well, they're for him, and I'm not one of them. Does that mean I'm against them? And I thought, yes, I guess it does mean that. And then he said, if you want to become a Christian and accept Christ, get up and walk forward. This is like, again, on the front lawn of a high school campus at lunchtime. Some kids get up and walk there. And I thought, there's no way I would ever do that. Next thing I knew, I was up there praying. And that was the day Christ came into my life.
0: Another conflict could break out over the Philippines, where they're bullying uh, Philippine ships as they're trying to resupply a grounded military ship in one of the reefs there in the Spratlys, and that the Chinese are claiming. And that, that could set off a conflict. Already, the Chinese ships have bumped some of the Filipino ships, and they have a defense agreement with the Pentagon, and, and the U.S. has announced recently as uh, the last month that any uh, attack by China on a Philippines military vessel or even a civilian vessel could trigger uh, the defense agreement, where which would involve the U.S. In a, in a confrontation with the Chinese military. It's Heart to Heart Friday. Here are some of the other stories making headlines this week.
1: Prices to move cargo by ship are surging again following new attacks on vessels in the Red Sea. A
0: powerful earthquake hit central Japan on Monday.
1: The Dow Jones Industrial Average inched higher Thursday, helped by a solid performance from financial stocks and strong jobs data.
0: Eurozone inflation surged last month and could still go higher in the early part of 2024.
1: It's Heart to Heart
0: Friday on In the Market with Janet Partial. Craig and I have lots to share, and we'll put the first story on the table when we return. To join the conversation on the topics we're discussing, call 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Christians really believe. What do we stand for? Do we know the essentials of our faith? That's why I've chosen "I Believe" as this month's Truth Tool. Know what you believe and how to convey the truth of God's Word to a hurting culture. As for your copy of "I Believe," when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market, call eight seven seven Janet fifty eight. That's eight seven seven Janet fifty eight, or go to In the Market with Janet dot org. Happy Friday to you, friends. Hope you had a great week and I hope you have a wonderful weekend planned. Mr. Craig partials right there. He joins me on Fridays and based on the communications I hear from you, my dear friends, you love it when he shows up. Well, I'm already kind of partial to him, so it makes me feel good that you like it when he comes to visit as well. If this is your first time joining us, we go round robin on Fridays. And by that, I mean Craig and I talk about a whole lot of topics, but we do it different from the alphabet soup media. Our goal here is to walk through life with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other and learn how to apply the whole truth of the whole gospel to the whole world around us. So, here, fair morning. Christians look at the world completely different. We got 2020 vision, clarity. It's funny how when you follow a God who's not the author of confusion, How many things make sense when you measure them with the straight stick of his truth? So that's what we do. We take a look at stories that at First blush you think are just interesting cultural hiccups or maybe just a robust topic uh, that foments a lot of opinion in the marketplace of ideas. But you fail to recognize that there is really a spiritual underpinning to what's being discussed or the idea of being advanced. And that God has already rendered a very clear opinion on good and evil and truth and falsehood. And so that's what we try to do here. We go very fast, by the way, and we take a look at a myriad of topics. So we're going to start with one we've talked about before. Now, let me just, as a disclaimer, say I'm loath to give them publicity. But on the other hand, the Bible says we are to expose the deeds of darkness. So along comes this group called Uh, the satanic temple. Now, the paradox in that is they don't believe in Satan and they're not a temple. What they hate is bibliocentric worldviews, particularly Christianity. And so what they try to do is they picked up on the idea that the Supreme Court has given permission to what we call uh, equal access and to after-school clubs. So if you decide to create a kind of a public forum and you're going to allow for groups of different kinds to be established at your school, you have to have more or less an all-comers policy. So if you're going to have a chess club, uh, you can have a baseball card club if somebody wants to set it up. If you're going to have a group that meets off-campus, and these tend to meet off-campus, uh, these Bible study groups, and you get an adult who's willing to do it so there's no church-state entanglement by the government offering resources, i.e. a room, a uh, classroom, or The gym, you go across the street to the library over there and you get the opportunity to be able to meet. It's been approved, affirmed, and protected by the United States Supreme Court. Well, like an opportunistic infection. The satanic temple came along and said, oh, you got to go after them. So the way we're going to do it is we're going to set up our own after school clubs. We're going to call them the after school Satan club. Okay. well, the paradox is they don't even believe in Satan. In fact, if you go to their own website, they are nothing but hellish humanists. I think that would be the much more accurate description. Uh, And here's what they say in defense of their pseudo theistic posturing. The after school Satan club does not believe in introducing religion into public schools. Pause comment from Janet Parshall. In fact, they loathe the idea of introducing religion in public schools. So they're trying to counterman it. And I'll tell you exactly their methodology in a moment, going back to their comment. And will only open a club if other religious groups are operating on campus. Pause, partial insert here. That goes exactly to what I said before, their anathema, their desire to take out a scrubbing brush and scrub away any opportunity a child has to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is spiritual warfare. They don't even understand what they call themselves the Satanic Temple. They're actually his henchmen, but they don't believe in him. Doesn't mean you're not working for his side, but I digress. So apparently the after-school Satan Club, and there's a person, by the way, a woman who's been tasked with trying to advance this all across the country, exists to provide a safe and inclusive, see, apparently Christians are unsafe and non-inclusive alternatives to the religious clubs that use, and I quote them directly, threats of eternal damnation. (laughs) to convert school children to their belief system. Now, I'm not bearing false witness, but I'm using the discernment that you get with the indwelling of the person of the Holy Spirit. So apparently threats of damnation. Okay, well, here's the threat. God's put before us life and death, and then he said directly, choose life. He's not willing that any should perish. We are guilty as sin. By man came death, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So you, non-robot, have the opportunity to either accept the gift of salvation that was given to us because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. A price had to be paid. Now there's a sign around our neck that says guilty as charged and we deserve death. But Jesus stepped in and said, no, I will pay the penalty. And he got up on that cross. Six trials, by the way, if you're into the law, three of them, Roman, three of them, Jewish, every one of them would categorically be deemed to be a mistrial. And this innocent man, God goes on the cross, he's referred to by the word of God as the unblemished lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, willingly mounts up on this old rugged cross. Remember, he's a God-man. He could have called, as the old hymn says, down 10,000 angels. He didn't do it. He knew he came to earth to conquer death. And so he pays the price for sin and then said three words that rocked, rattled, and rolled the gates of hell. It is finished. The way of salvation was offered to you and to me. There's no threat. There's a choice. But don't let the facts get in the way if you're the satanic temple. Instead, characterize it in the most argument, ad hominem, pejorative, nefarious way you can. Threats of eternal damnation to convert school kids to their belief system. I continue with their press release. Unlike our counterparts who publicly measure their success in a young person's profession of faith, the After School Satan Club program focuses on science, critical thinking, creative arts, and good works for the community ipso facto, therefore, those poor, ignorant, easy-to-command, Bible-thumping Christians who mete out eternal threats of damnation. Um, apparently, don't believe in science, cannot think critically, don't get involved in the arts, and don't do anything good for the community. But don't let the facts get in the way. Back to the press release. While engaged in all of these activities, we want clubgoers to have a good time. So what do they do? They promote science and arts and crafts, all the while proselytizing their own message, which is don't go anywhere near that old time religion. In fact, we're going to teach you to love yourself because after all, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, they say, in giving adherence and plaudits to the one they don't believe in, you can be like gods. So again, Craig, I turned to Tennessee. There's some brouhaha going down there. There were some people that were going to protest at a school in Memphis because this is one of the more recent sites where the Hellish humanists are going to show up with their after-school club, and a bunch of people were going to come and protest, and they decided not to do it so that they backed down, and it was supposed to be held outside an elementary school in Memphis on January 10th, so just right around the corner. I bring this up because this is emblematic of what we're seeing all across the country, and you know what bothers me is when you realize that I don't know how this happened, and maybe somebody was asleep at the switch, but the IRS has given them 501c3 status, so they do have a nonprofit status. And also, the Satanic Temple loves to talk about the fact that they are deemed uh, to be protected as a religion, and they think they can give the high court credit for that as well. So, I I don't know. I don't know. Something was in the Kool-Aid when they decided that a non-theistic group that doesn't even believe in anything but yourself somehow is categorized as a religion. And then somebody in the IRS said, yeah, we're going to give them tax-exempt status. So, uh, remember when our kids got bubble gum in their hair? Uh, Best thing you could do is take out a pair of scissors. So, clip this one for me, would you?
1: Um, you remember a couple of years ago, j- just to go to the stunt pulling that <laughs> the uh, uh, Satanic Temple does to gain publicity for their movement, which at its core, from a standpoint of worldview, uh, is an anti-Christian movement. Uh, they want to counteract the influence that they perceive of conservative Christians in issues of public debate, uh, in social mores. Uh, in public policy, and so it was their thought, from what I have read about them and the statements they've made over the last number of years, that they looked at the success of what they thought was the conservative Christian movement in you know, social issues and abortion, as well as uh, you know the classic spreading of the gospel, and they said, we're going to use their techniques. Uh, we're going to file lawsuits, we're going to claim religious liberty, uh, even though they don't believe in religion or God, heaven or hell or Satan, and yet they use Satan's name. Um, and we're going to use publicity and we're going to try it both in the courts of law and the courts of public opinion to try to sway and eradicate some of the influence that they perceived conservative Christian viewpoints were gaining. Now, whether or not there has been a gain in public perception and influence of conservative Christians is a different issue. But this is what they perceived. I'll, I'll tell you about a stunt they pulled, and this goes back to 2013. So this was a decade ago. They've been around for a long time. But in, in uh, 2013, they decided to try to desecrate a grave. Now, the gravestone belonged to the mother of Reverend Fred Phelps, The name will ring a bell with those who follow the law because uh, they were part of a family church made up of about a dozen people called the Westboro Baptist Church, and they gave a bad name to Christianity. But uh, I hear the music. We can get back. Yeah. And I can tell you the stunt and what it tells you about the the Satanic Temple.
0: And we'll do it right after this. So our first story on this Friday that Craig and I are looking at is this movement by this group called the Satanic Temple, which, by the way, let the record reflect. <laughs> they distance themselves um, from the Church of Satan, which they really don't, but they don't even understand that. But I digress. So as Craig said before, their goal is wherever Christians have taken advantage of a Supreme Court right to have a religious gathering after school or during school hours off campus uh, as a religious group, they've decided to come in with their guns blazing and offer you a science project. So you won't believe in God because obviously they believe that if a Christian believes in God, he can't possibly believe in science. Never mind that some of the greatest scientists in the world are committed believers, but I digress. So Craig was talking to you about this Kabuki theater act. They did a few years ago with uh, Fred Phelps, Fred Phelps, um, he desperately needed church discipline. If in fact he was, and First Samuel says, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart, but I would say that if his behavior is reflective of his relationship with Jesus Christ, his fruit was withered and decayed. And so he would show up at different events and carry signs, God hates fags, et cetera. I mean, just all this stuff that is so non-reflective of the ambassadorialship we've been granted as followers of Jesus Christ. So um, there was a desecration, a desecration of his mother's grave. So Craig, pick up the story from there.
1: Yeah. The, the case made headlines because it went to the U.S. Supreme Court, that is to say that the... The Fred Phelps uh, Westboro Baptist Church uh, because they were parading and they were doing it on a public sidewalk. So basically what you do on a public sidewalk with only a few exceptions is going to be treated as free speech, no matter how offensive it was. And the Supreme Court made it clear. It's highly offensive stuff, repulsive stuff, but it's protected under the First Amendment uh, free speech clause. If you allow free speech for good speech, you have to allow it with some exceptions, of course for repulsive speech, and uh, Westboro Baptist Church clearly fell in the latter category. But uh, (laughs) July of 2013, this was just about a month after the Satanic Temple had been co-founded by a guy by the name of Lucian Greaves. Don't know whether that's his real name. It sort of sounds rather... A cultic, but um, I'll leave that to another discussion. I've, I've also Lucian Greaves. Yes,
0: I've, I've also heard his last name pronounced Graves, which also carries with it a well, bit of uh, y- irony. Yeah,
1: yeah, and Lucian sounds very close to Lucifer, Lucifer but, exactly. um, who he doesn't believe in, by the way. <laughs> exactly. So so here's the deal. July of 2013, he does what even The Atlantic, which is a very politically and socially uh, left-leaning magazine called um a nationwide media attention stunt. Uh, he decided, the co-founder of Satanic Temple, uh, to go to the cemetery where Fred Phelps's mother was laid to rest, and had a sit-down protest on top of her grave to keep her from being resurrected. No, oh, okay. to show his disgust for all of the Phelpses and intimating, really, that that. Church, which wasn't a church at all, that never really followed any of the, the appropriate Orthodox beliefs in the Bible, but called them a Baptist, called themselves the a Baptist Church, intimating that that's, that's what Christian Orthodoxy looks like, right? And they're fighting against it. My point being they have been against evangelical conservative Christians from the start. And, and the Westboro Church is what they wanted people to believe You and I and followers of Jesus were. So he had a sit-down protest on the grave and then pronounced that he was going to be holding a pink mass later, sarcastically noting that it was a pink mass, yes, that would convert uh, the founder of the Westboro Church's mother into a lesbian in the afterlife. Wow. Okay, now, so of that's, course, none of that he believes, exactly. but that's his PR stunt. But,
0: but you make a point, which is point number two is, aside from his marked animus toward... Uh, Christianity, and then use this debacle known as the Westboro Baptist Church and Fred Phelps and his family that show up with these hate signs as somehow being the incarnation of biblical Christianity. But the second thing is, is it points out that Lucian is a showman. So he's up there doing yeah. a stunt. As you said, if a left-leaning uh, magazine like The Atlantic calls, calls it, it a stunt. Exactly. It was a, a, stunt. It was a stunt. And, and yes. so now trying to set these clubs up after school are
1: still stunts. In, in fact, let me read from the article from a number of years ago in the Atlantic, that stunt, quote, was typical of Greaves and of the satanic temple.
0: That's the Atlantic. Yeah.
1: In other words, this is how they operate with publicity, stunt, sarcasm, and taking, dipping their paint in the most outrageous picture of Christianity and then trying to paint all of us as followers of Christ who take the Bible seriously with that color of paint on his palette so that's the satanic temple doesn't believe in God doesn't believe in Satan doesn't believe in religion believes that the only way of salvation is really for you and I to use our minds and use science and uh, his group by the way filed suit against Texas's heartbeat bill they've been rabidly pro-abortion they declare abortion a sacred religious right
0: you can get a satanic abortion yeah
1: right so Uh, They have aligned themselves politically, socially, and if I can use the word spiritually, although they don't believe in the... But it doesn't mean they're not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) ...with the most radical form of uh, anarchy and social rebellion you can imagine.
0: So it raises a couple of interesting questions. How then shall we live? Thank you, Dr. Francis Schaefer. So you're sending your kid to a local elementary school. You're thrilled that there's a release time program where they can go off campus and they can have a Bible study. You want to take advantage of that. It's one of those uh, protected religious rights we have in this country. And uh, the circus show comes to town. So the satanic club wants to set up. Now, here's the problem with free speech. You can't say, as Nat Hentoff said of the Village Voice, free speech for me, but not for thee. Right. You have this release time program. Do you show up and protest the satanic club, knowing that the next go around, they could protest release time? Now, the, the court and the law is on your side because it's protected. But the minute you say that one group can't meet, then the next thing that's a go around is your group isn't going to meet. Well, so how do you handle this? But, but
1: let me let me go back and give the same footnote I made a couple of minutes ago, with some exceptions, and the exceptions sometimes end up becoming the rule. In other words, you there is no absolute, absolute free speech right, just like none of the rights in the Bill of Rights are not subject to some exceptions that the Supreme Court has recognized as consistent with the intent of the founders and with the words of the text of the Bill of Rights. There are exceptions, and I believe that schools may have an exception to not allow the satanic temple to come into their gates.
0: Uh, ah, there's an intrigue in that response, so we'll examine it on the other side of this. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall, back after this. The Bible says the Word of God illuminates our walk through life. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Without it, we stumble and fall. In the Market with Janet Partial is designed to help you look at the headlines of the day through the lens of Scripture. When you become a partial partner, you help to make this broadcast possible. And as a partial partner, you'll receive exclusive benefits. So why not become a partial partner today? Call 877-JANET-58 or go to in the Market with inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. So this is in the market with Janet Parshall. Craig Parshall's with me, and as we do on Fridays, we take a look at some stories making headlines and unpack, unpack them from a biblical perspective. And at first blush, this you know this seems like a joke. The satanic club—they're uh, a bunch of um, opportunistic uh, hellish humanists. Those are my apt descriptors, I think, to this group. And what they did is they abhor biblical Christianity. And you heard me just read from their own statement where they talk about threats of eternal damnation. It's not a threat. It's a guarantee. When I told you before about what Christ did on the cross, again, he gives us free will, choice to either accept or reject what he's done. So it isn't eternal damnation. You start with the understanding that God isn't willing that any should perish. That's why he so loved the world that he sent his son to die for us, okay? The eternal damnation comes when man in his stubbornness and in his rebellion says, "'Thanks, but no thanks.'" and you and I are free to make that choice. If that's a choice you make, you will be eternally separated from God. There is no such thing as annihilation. Uh, There's no such thing as universalism that a good God doesn't let anybody go to hell. We send ourselves to hell, okay? God doesn't do that. And annihilation doesn't happen because the Bible is very clear about this going on and on and on for all eternity. So the eternal damnation is a result of man's choice, not a threat. The promise Is eternal life if you accept what God has done. So I just think it's important to go back and review the foundation and state with clarity again the facts. But in the meantime, in this spiritual war that's dressed up in some respects in Halloween costumes, it's trying to show up at your local public school. And if there's a release time program, they want to come in and they want to make sure that Threats of eternal damnation are not meted out to kids, but instead we're going to show you happy humanist ideas like creative arts and science, because if you believe in God, you can't be involved in the arts or science, uh, apparently. But Craig, I was talking about an all-comers policy, and obviously that's something that's very important, but it's not an all-comers policy for everybody. So you think that there is a way here where a school, should the satanic club come and knock on their door, might be able to say, ah, no. Tell me why.
1: Because the Supreme Court has said that both the Free Exercise Clause and the Establishment Clause, which says that uh, the federal government, and and that includes now states incorporated into it, um, cannot can neither uh, advance a particular religion, nor can they prohibit it. It also means, as the Supreme Court has said, that the government, state, local, uh, federal, may not embrace hostility against any particular religion or all religion.
0: Well, can can I pause you on that? That's an interesting point, because in your stated declaration, how can it be anything but categorically hostility to say we show up when there's another religious group giving threats of eternal damnation? That's hostile.
1: Yeah, and they've said the only reason that they bring their uh, fake a uh, statue of a horned satanic image man thing, yeah, yeah, right. into state capitals is because there have been uh, nativity scenes and 10 commandments and religious uh, iconery around uh, the, the the public grounds. So they show up in a counter protest against any particularly traditional Christianity, but any religion at all. Um, And so they are reactive, not a proactive, but they are a reactive organization. And as I read to you, you know, when they were launched back in 2013, um, they were doing stunts back then. They're still doing political and public relations stunts now, including lawsuits, uh, which aren't stunts. Uh, Lawsuits are very serious things and courts take them very serious, uh, seriously, regardless of how serious the motive might be on the part of the satanic temple that brings them. So here's the deal. If the Supreme Court says that government, including a school board, because school board is part of a public school and public schools are government schools funded by the government through taxpayer money. Uh, If the Supreme Court has said that government may not uh, embrace or promote either themselves or promote groups, That events that that articulate hostility against Christianity, as an example, Uh, suppose that you had a Bible club in your uh, middle school, an after-school Bible club, and then a group called uh, "We Hate Jesus" uh, Incorporated wants to hold meetings with children and teach them why they ought to hate Christianity, in particular, particularly Christ. The the school would be on very firm grounds to say, no, we're rejecting you, even though the First Amendment generally provides an all-commerce policy for that. Um, The First Amendment is also interpreted by the Supreme Court as saying government cannot embrace hostility. So it's one thing to have your own religion. Suppose you come in and you're a Buddhist, or you come in and you're a Hindu uh, study group or you have a Christian study group, that means you have a diversity of religions under the First Amendment allowed in public school. First Amendment protects that. On the other hand, if you have an anti-Buddhist group, or you have an anti-Christian group, yeah. and I would suggest to you that the Satanic Temple, from its origins to the present time, has basically been a reaction to what they didn't like about conservative Christianity. Right, exactly right. So Now, they've gotten more clever. Mm-hmm. Over the years, I've noticed this, they have they have a mission statement that sounds a lot like, you know, they want to engender public uh, discourse and uh, open debate and free speech and social good and, you know, not evil. So they have nuanced their message, perhaps because they realize that there isn't an anti-religion exception. Uh, to their right to join the other religions. So religious they're skating
0: groups. on thin ice in some respects. And yeah. so they understand yeah. it. They're
1: so sort of being very, uh, a little bit more cautious now in their public relations. But appeal. again,
0: I, I think they're a front really for anything that they categorize as, and I'm loath to use this, but it's what sloppy journalists use anything that represents the religious right. So let me go back to Texas, like you said before. The idea that they offer a satanic abortion. It's on their website, and what they're really doing is they're helping to get out the abortion pill, but they can subscribe or superimpose upon the killing of your preborn child some demonic meaning, their satanic ritual. And you can look it up, and if you choose to do it, I strongly recommend you don't. Um, It talks about superimposing some sort of humanistic vacuous idea of value and worth and taking the life of your own child and your own personal female empowerment, because you could take the life of your child. So what they've done is they look for cracks in the wall and then they come in. And that's why I think their opportunistic parasitic behavior is one that should be acknowledged. They've seized on a moment of something in the culture that they don't agree with. And so um, they've tried to make it a religious sacrament, which by the way, this is where I just laugh because if you go through life with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, the the annihilation of children for the atonement of sins goes back to the Old Testament. I mean, the, the Bible is littered with these movements from Corinth to um, the, the skeletal remains that were found of infants under uh, the worshipers of Ashtoreth. And it just goes on and on and on. For Corinth, the mourning that went on when people were throwing their babies' bodies up to the statues of Molech. So infant sacrifice is a quintessentially pagan practice, by the way. So the fact that they're pushing for it, using the name Satan, they sure do represent a guy that they don't believe in, which I think is, um, is paradoxical.
1: Well, it's, yeah, it's paradoxical, and I think it's hypocritical. Um, and I think it's all about uh, public relations because anything about Satan is going to grab headlines, and they've adequately done that. Uh, But here's another exception, and I mentioned the exception of government may not, consistent with the First Amendment, government may not embrace organizations that are openly hostile to religion. But there's another exception, and it it, it has not gained traction recently, but it was around for a number of years, and that is Free exercise of religion meant that religion or religious expression and belief was protected if it was sincerely held belief and not a front for a political position or a front for some other nefarious uh, motivation. In other words, pretending to be uh, a religious group when, in fact, you're an anarchist group and you're using uh, religion as a front. Now... The, the court has been careful not to wade into the sincerely held part, yeah. but I have to tell you that for people to use the word satanic, but say they don't believe in Satan, is, is tantamount to us saying, uh, we're followers of Jesus, but we don't believe in Jesus.
0: Yeah, exactly. We're,
1: we're Christians, but we don't believe in any of the tenets of Christianity. But
0: that goes to the showmanship aspect. Exactly. This. And again, if you go to don't, don't, I'm not encouraging you to go there by any stretch of the imagination. We don't spend enough time on the word, let alone waste your time on their website. But when you read the tenets of their faith, it's nothing but an exaltation of self. I mean, it really, again, paradoxically, it reflects so much of the content of Genesis chapter three. Did God really say we shall be like gods? And so it's self, 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 self autonomy. You're uh, the captain of your ship, you know, Invictus on crack, basically. And that's the approach that they take. So, um, The showmanship is interesting. The bamboozling is interesting. But again, it would take somebody with moral courage and a fortified spinal column if this group were to show up in town, complete with the clowns and the wagons, uh, to be able to say, wait a minute, we're going to get you to think about this a little bit. You have to reach out to a group that represents um, First Amendment issues. And there are a lot of them out there, thank goodness, who would really be able to say, no, this dear school you don't have to give an equal footing to this group. There is a hostile aspect to this, and there's a preponderance of evidence that says that, that maybe they don't get an equal footing. But these poor schools, Greg, just cower. They're so afraid of litigation right. and lawsuits that they go, OK, OK, we'll, we'll let him in. We'll let him in. You know, you
1: know this whole, if you look at history and not too old history, a couple hundred years ago, you have people like Voltaire and Rousseau, French philosophers and, and satirists, who openly derided what they thought were the uh, the frailties of the church and the illogic of following the idea of a Christian God. So it's been around yeah, since nothing the new garden, under the sun. right? That's exactly um, right. But it's just got a new face, and now it's the satanic temple.
0: Exactly. When we come back, how about a brand new book about a church that a lot of people might start attending back after this? So there's a new book out called The Church of the Heavenly Kiss, a religion for people who don't like religion. Now you know what KISS stands for. Keep it simple, stupid, right? So this has written been written by a fellow by the name of Harry Harrigan, who apparently has gotten some notoriety for writing fiction. And he's picked up on the fact that about one-third of the grown-ups in the United States aren't affiliated with any religion. And he makes the statement and he contends that so many of these are people who simply are following the course set by their parents and they're too afraid to change due to intense peer pressure. Uh, That's an arguable point. Let me set that aside for a moment. Um, So uh, it's almost, he says, religion by rote. So you follow the customs, the traditions, the prayers, the habits for fear of the consequences of stopping and without really considering what it all means. And for those who see past this conundrum, there's a bigger question. Do I need religion at all to be a good person? Which, by the way, is a question the atheists ask all the time. So apparently, Harrigan, uh, from the beginning of his book, makes it clear that if people are content with religion and comfortable following rules and beliefs without any skepticism, this book is not for them. Blind. Belief, blind faith, apparently. So, religions, according to Harrigan, were created. This is his posture, by the way, another argument, uh, a point of argument, were created to help people understand some of the mysteries of being. Where did the world come from? Or what is the purpose of life? The fact is that the rules, the divine being, heaven, hell, salvation, you name it, were all developed by humans. This is the author. And how would they know? But no worries, it's okay to simply accept the mysteries of life. That's if you believe and accept the concept of religion. But Harrigan says, if you're frustrated by your religion and go to church and mouth the words but doubt the truth of them, then this book isn't for you. If you open your eyes to the world around you and see that religions limit your possibilities and shrink your horizons, does this sound like a club we were just talking about? Then you may like Church of the Heavenly Kiss. So what is the church? Well, it's a way of uh, basically... Exalting yourself. And so he has replaced the 10 commandments with the 10 commitments. And since you're saying, I remember Ted Koppel saying they weren't the 10 suggestions, now they're the 10 commitments. It's a brief and simple roadmap to follow your own moral compass. Oh, Genesis 3 just never gets old, does it? Be a good person, live your life to the fullest, care for your fellow human beings. And the commitments are not groundbreaking or earth-shattering, but they're simple and they reflect a lot of common sense. So in this short book, it's intended to provide food for thought and encourage more exploration into the subject matter by individual readings. It's a starting point, the author says, not an all-encompassing doctrine. But it does go on to say religion doesn't have to be complicated time-consuming or confusing. You have one unique and precious life in return for the gift of life. Who gave you that gift? I digress. You do not have to worship a god that someone else imagined. Your only obligation is to make the most of it. Nothing new under the sun, Mr. Partial. So there you go. Zooming into the nuns, the nuns apparently now people who uh, are afraid, which is why they don't leave religion, because after all of you were a thinking person, you wouldn't subscribe to these rules, these meaningless made-up rules on a God that some other human being made up. Why would you do that? Just honor yourself. Keep it simple, stupid, and make a commitment to yourself. What an attractive idea.
1: You know, Harrington makes the, makes the point that, um, you know, religion is just way too complex, and the, the things going on in the world are really complex. And the big questions are super complex. So, you know, KISS, keep it simple. Uh, just do these three things. By the way, you'll find those three things in the Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments, basically. <laughs> uh, so w- I think humanity has known. Um, we have a sense of eternity in our hearts, Ecclesiastes says. We're made in the image of God, which means that there is a God-awareness and a w- awareness of the rules by which God governs the universe. And those are pretty... In fact, uh, C.S. Lewis uh, called it the Tao, and he listed a number of uh, commonalities among a variety of religions and cultural movements and philosophies that all agree on basically the same thing about human conduct. Well, then why is that? Well, it's because God put that all in our hearts. We all have consciences until we sear them, and then they're no longer operative. But until we do, we're built in with consciences God created. We have the image of God in our DNA along with our sin. Uh, God didn't give us the sin, but he gave us the God likeness in terms of, uh, of having the faculties that he has granted to us and the longing for some transcendence, meaning him. They're really Janet. I, so, so it's complex and he's basically saying, keep it simple because the rest is just a mystery.
0: Right. You know, it's there, all about you anyway.
1: There, there are three ways to approach the things that we think we can't answer. What he said is it basically embrace the mystery. Just keep it simple with these three things. And don't worry about the rest. Don't worry about God and heaven and all these metaphysical, you know, complications. So keep it simple. And, and the are of stuff you're not going to know. So embrace the mystery. Number two, Solve it with science or human speculation like philosophy. Well, that never works. And I'll tell you why, because philosophers have disagreed for thousands of years, all the way back to Socrates uh, and before, on, on the answers to those questions. And they're still scratching their heads. In fact, the old adage is by the time the philosopher gets to the peak the top of the mountain where he's going to get the answer, he's going to found, find that the Christian theologian has been sitting there for generations <laughs> waiting for him to get to the same place. <laughs> so then there's number three, and this is the answer I humbly submit. The answer is, or you can have the mysteries explained to you by the God who created the universe. Mm-hmm. I show you a mystery. You hear the word mystery in Scripture. Paul says, behold, I show you a mystery. But the mystery was revealed to those who embrace Christ by faith and confess their sin and recognize that their sinful state can be redeemed by what he did on the cross and receive him as a Christ and Savior and Lord and the Holy Spirit, which is the power and the presence and the identity of who God is indwelling in you will reveal through his written Scripture that he's bountifully given to us the answers to the questions that are sufficient for now. They're not going to be exhaustive, but they will be sufficient to answer the most important questions of life. So I would suggest your listeners, as you suggest every day on this program, go to the Word of God, Right. open up your heart and your mind, be willing to consider the claims of Christ, particularly in the four Gospels.
0: Well, if you want the KISS approach, then simply get into the Word of God, right? You have this book that's different than any other book, remains the number one bestseller of all time in the history of printing, and asks the Holy Spirit to say, look, I don't get it, it's complex, where do I start, what do I begin? And you know, if you seek Him, you will find Him. If you seek Him with all of your heart, He will be found. And this living Word will open itself up to you, and things that were unknown before can become known as God has revealed them in His Word. So again, I, I use the word opportunistic parasite before I'm going to use it again. These are people who are building fortunes on man's questioning and his doubts about eternality and the reality of God. Why make a buck when the answer is waiting for you right there in the word of God. Hope you can stick around for the next hour. If not, have a great weekend. See you next time.